Hello, hello, welcome oh. to a really special Horn Sucks. Because this time, I think it's our first ever time that we are talking to Demonic Resurrection in its anniversary week. 20 years yeah. of the band. Yes. And of hello. course, that yes came from Sile Makija, the Demon Stealer. Hey guys, what's up? How are you all doing? Doing okay, man. <laughs> as okay yes. as they can be. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to dive straight in and ask you. So, you know, demonic resurrection took 20 years earlier this week. How yeah. does it looking back? Well, you know, other than the obvious feeling old. Um, it, it feels okay. Like, you know, normally around this time, I get very emo on Facebook and I um, have a lot of emotions. But... Um, this time, I guess the situation in the world has sort of put life into perspective. So I was just like, cool, 20 years, not bad. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it was a nonchalant event almost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, what's happening around the world kind of um, paints things very differently. But hey, it's not every year that people turn 20 or bands turn 20. It is kind of a landmark. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely for us, it's it's a big deal to have survived 20 years. And, uh, you know, uh, we were looking forward to it. But, um, but yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. You know, we were, I was hoping that things would click this year for the band and we'd be able to do some kind of touring. And uh, I was quite upset that we had only been able to book Metal Days this year, which is happening in the end of July, which... Uh, from the looks of it right now, I can't say whether we will be there or not because I don't know what the situation is going to be, you know, in July this year. You know, is is mm. this situation going to change? Is travel going to become regular again? What's the deal? So, and I think it's it's also like just because we know it's not just us who are suffering, like suddenly like everybody's in a bad way and, and there are bands that have it way, way worse and you're, I'm suddenly not so, you know, uh, <laughs> sad about what whatever little stuff I was complaining about. So I'm just glad that we're okay. Glad that we're here. We're still able to make music uh, and yeah, just happy to be around. Yep, yep. Happy to be around. All right. So considering this is your uh, anniversary week as such, we're going to dive right in and like into a way back machine kind of a thing and kind of take everyone who's listening, which is perhaps only the two of us and you through this whole journey of the band over the last 20 years. So let's get things started with uh, really the first question, which is what happened on 6th April 2000 and why is that date the birthday for DR? Because Wikipedia and your hmm. Wikipedia says that the band was formed in March 2000. Yeah, so I, I guess I kind of have two birthdays for the band. <laughs> One being the approximate time that the band was actually sort of formed. And one being the first show of the band. So March is when the band sort of got together. But April 6th is the day we played our first show. So uh, I generally count April 6th as the main sort of date okay you know march march is like a generic i can wake up on march 1st or i can wake up on march 15th and say you know 
DR was formed in March, twenty <laughs> years ago. But April sixth is very specific because it is the day of the first show. Because uh, we didn't have like a like a formation, so to speak. It was very um, like the way it came together was very strange. Because I had kind of been searching for band members for what two years, I think, in college, like ninety eight, well, late ninety eight to uh, late like to early two thousand. And I think around January or so, I had uh, kind of said, you know what, this is not happening. Fuck this shit. I am going to now go on stage with my computer and play, and that was the plan. Uh, I was yeah. taking, yeah, yeah. I was taking drum lessons from Ovi, and I had played him my songs, and you know, he was like, "Hey, this stuff is good, man. Like, you know, you're doing good and all." I was like, "Listen, I really want to go live. I want to play and all." And I was like, "Listen, I can bring my computer to Raz. I can, you know, take me fifteen minutes to set it up. I'll give the speaker out to the mixer, and I'll press play with, and I'll play along." And uh, I think oh, I can't remember. He was like, "Yes, go for it," or was like, "No, don't do it." But he was like, "I think he he was encouraging about like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure." But then, as uh, fate would have it, I ran into Prashant Shah. who was from my school who was a year senior to me and who had gone to america to study at purdue and then i think he went to mi for 3 months and he had come back and he was ripping on the guitar so i was like totally taken in by prashant and prashant said yeah dude i'll play with uh, play with the band and stuff and prashant then got aditya and aditya got yash since uh, Aditya and Yash live literally like two minutes away from each other, and I think uh, Yash was a Garba drummer. He used to play Dandia and Garba, and he, after he met Aditya, Aditya introduced him to Slayer and Sepultura and Metallica and all these bands, and then Yash had started playing metal. So Prashant got Aditya, who got Yash, and I was like, "Shit, I have a lineup. So let's you know get a show going." So me and Ovi organized the event on sixth April. Which was going to be Naked Earth headlining, Scepter, DR, and Meta Kicks would open the show, and uh, at that point I was like, okay, we need a keyboard player. So there was a friend of mine called Farhad, who was the son of the late Vijay Arora, uh, the Bollywood actor. Mm-hmm. So he was the only keyboard player I knew because obviously finding metalheads in those days who play instruments was tough. Finding a metalhead who played keyboards was even tougher. you know cuz it's not a common instrument in the metal scene even now like there are yeah. keyboard players but most of them are like different different styles of music so anyway found i called him up i said listen uh, can you play this stuff and he said yeah i can play this is easy cuz he was like bashing out michael jackson tunes and stuff and he was like full on into like bollywood and pop music and all so but he was uh-huh. like yeah, yeah i'm on board i'll come and play so around march this all came together and i was like okay guys so we've got a gig on 6th april uh, i had some kind of exams and so did farhad so okay. aditya aditya yash and prashant jammed for like 15 days on their own so i said okay, okay we'll, i gave them the setlist i said we'll do my world of sadness we'll do darkened moon we'll do creatures of ancient blood and i don't remember if we had discussed anything else but basically on the 1st of april is when all five of us met okay and we jammed for five days every single day to get ready for the show we had no bass player uh, i remember i tried to play bass and sing uh-huh. but but i couldn't i was fucking it up so i decided to just we said we'll play without a bass player 
ഓഡിഷനിങ് യശ് so i'm sure most people know the history of uh, you know how this came together um but uh, yeah I, i don't think a lot of people know about how yash was auditioned so um <laughs> yash was a friend of aditya and uh, just to give you some back story he obviously was someone that did, that did not uh, know much about metal or uh the heavier side of things in music he used to play for um a dandia group um i think it was aditya who found him uh, somewhere i'm not sure exactly how aditya found him <laughs> but yeah he used to play for a dandia group and he was quite good actually and the the funny thing was that uh yash at that time was not someone who was very conversant in uh, english and uh, you know we had to get him on board to play this show with sahil and obviously sahil wanted to meet this guy first and check out if he can actually you know play or not because we really hyped him up a lot and uh, so we were going to this uh, to irvi's place uh, i remember irvin was a naked old drama rest in peace we were going to his place and that was the only kit that we really had to audition him on so we go to his house and we in his usual style was bunked up in his uh, you know tiny room where his drum kit was and his mother <laughs> shouting from the other room um yeah but uh, yash got on the kit and <laughs> he looks at everyone and he he says uh, now i am going to play seasons in the abyss and t- <laughs> he ends that statement with a crash and yeah he he played the song he did a pretty good job and he was in and that was pretty hilarious because uh, yash was not someone who came from this background in the first place and it was remarkable that he was able to pick up uh, this genre of music so fast and kudos to aditya obviously to find uh, you know a gem <laughs> Uh, in hidden in like some cave guju cave guju dandia cave um but yeah anyways so after the audition got over we obviously decided to prank sahil and just we we put uh, uh, yash and uh, sahil and erikshaw a- 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 together <laughs> it was the funniest thing because yash was not as i said not very conversant in english and sahil was not very conversant in hindi so in, you know it was like the funniest and weirdest conversation that they probably had they probably like exchanged like you know, notes with some like some visual gestures or whatever i'm not sure but that was a pretty funny moment for us at least um then another another thing was uh, so when i joined dr i think when we uh, heard the material that sahil had obviously <laughs> we <laughs> we we said they were not going to play this and we're going to change it 
into a format or into a version that we would like to play so we are uh, we we went in and hacked uh, at sahil's uh, material and we ch- you know decided to change it completely because we wouldn't play the brats that we were um <clears throat> but yeah i mean the, the 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 fun part was also you know bullying uh, sahil <laughs> and uh, oh yeah one of the craziest things that actually happened uh, before that first show was that sahil was very gracious enough to lend aditya his guitar uh, he had this you know custom made alberto uh, it looked like that uh, i think a bc rich if i'm not mistaken but uh, we used to jam on my terrace and on one one fine day we were about the jam and this was in the middle of the afternoon the blazing sun i mean I, you know, we didn't we didn't think about all that uh, at that time we just wanted to play so yeah we 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 uh, left the guitar on a neel kamal chair that was on my terrace because uh, we were i think trying to tighten the drum heads or something like that not sure what the fuck we were doing but uh that guitar actually slipped <laughs> and the entire lower half of the guitar like snapped off like completely like two blocks like two separate blocks so here there's a guitar that sahil's generously given to aditya and he broke it the first day itself uh, obviously we went back to albertos and we we got that fixed but yeah i mean sahil obviously had a very tough time uh, when we told him about it and yeah we we had some great great memories with sahil farad um and that was the the genesis of uh, a lot of our musical uh, inclinations and uh careers so to speak i mean it's not like we have a career in music but my point being that that was the beginning of uh, a lot of journeys together uh, obviously we eventually formed exhumation and you know sahil uh obviously had dr but there was a lot of lot of uh, uh fun that we had during that first first show that we played and we learned a lot about you know being on stage and what it felt to be on stage stage fright and you know being able to uh, perform in front of uh, 200 250 people i mean raz that was a crazy show i mean i remember i actually still remember exactly what i was wearing on that show and uh i had i have very vivid memories of that particular show so what were you wearing sahil on that day do you remember yeah first of all there was a recording over of prashant yeah <laughs> yeah I was like shit he's on the call what <laughs> <laughs> Right so I I was wearing these baggy six pocket cargo pants um that were all the rage in the early 2000s and uh, I had a rotting christ t-shirt on because I had got that with my century media order and I was like so excited In fact I think that is the only picture of that sh- like that day that I have is me in my uh, house my mother took my picture before i left for the gig so that's the only picture i have but we have no photos from that show we have no band pictures nothing of that time like do you still have that guitar with you 
Uh, I did have it. I actually gave it away to a fan because it was just sitting and gathering dust. So I, I was like, if any anyone in Bombay plays guitar and they are looking for an electric and they're willing to take care of it, um, you can have my guitar and like, I mean, I'll own it, but like you can keep it and use it or whatever. So That's I've given it to, given it to this guy. I think it's Kostubo I gave it to. What what other memories do you have of that show? I mean, there was Scepter, Metaphys, uh, Naked Earth, like you said. Yeah, and of course. uh they mentioned bullying you into changing songs did that really happen which uh, songs were you bullied into changing so the funny thing is actually i was there prashant actually only changed one part in one song <laughs> <laughs> like i mean i don't think they really like took my songs and like totally changed them they just added a like a little f- small things to it it was nothing major actually because if I have the original recordings of those songs still on my computer and obviously what what those guys changed is what made it to the first DR the first DR album recording uh because we stuck to those changes we didn't change I didn't change anything back once uh, Prashant left or you know uh so that's that's an interesting thing like they only actually changed one song slightly uh by adding like an like changing a three count into a four count or something it was actually not that 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 different in fact now i'm curious to go back and listen on my computer <laughs> to the exact changes that they made but uh, oh. yes yeah, speak, so speaking of memories of that show the first thing is uh, it was also my first show as an organizer so i organized that show along with ovi um and we put that show together we had i think in those days there was no wilburn that day those days there were romeo romeo on sound romeo used to charge 3000 rupees or 2000 rupees for sound because raz had terrible sound and i think either ovi got his drum kit or i got it or i got my kit i think i got my kit actually usually later in life uh, but yeah i think ovi got his kit for that show and we got metakicks to open even though this was dr's first ever show and metakicks had been around for a a little while at least and uh, so the very strange thing is when dr played the entire audience just sat down like they because they had never seen us they had never heard of us and this is raz when raz had a pit like so raz had an actual yeah, yeah. disc uh, like a like a pit area so you would yeah. enter raz and there were like four steps going down into a pit and the stage was at an elevated uh, level so it was actually a much better venue back in the day than it was later on once it got renovated and they removed that pit and stuff yeah um but i remember the audience just sat down everybody across the entire thing just sat down and chilled and watched us uh my friends from school uh, had come to watch me as well which was really cool and uh, i think they were sitting in the front row of the so it was weird we were performing and i was i probably like the worst Uh, in terms of stage presence because i literally stood uh, at the mic i did not move at all like i was like a statue and i didn't have my glasses because i was obviously not going to wear my glasses on stage i had short hair i everything was a blur in front of me <laughs> and i didn't talk to the audience at all between songs like the one thing i said was between uh, uh, just before the last song which was the slayer and sepulchre medley and i was like Are you guys ready for Slayer? That is it. And when I, when I, yeah, it's hilarious. When I said that, one of my friends from school, 
and this is the moment i will never forget one of my friends from school aditya who also used to bully me by the way in school <laughs> he got up started head banging put his horns in the air walked up to the stage turned around realized nobody else had gotten up with him and went right back and sat down <laughs> it was damn funny but i don't know i, I and, and it was not like anti dr sit down or anything it's not like in protest we sit down it was just like ha kon hai ye kon baja raha hai like dekhte hain because those days everyone was yeah. playing covers and everyone was there for naked earth like cuz naked earth covered everything like they did yeah. right from yeah. pantera sepultura to metallica megadeth to like black sabbath so mega like they were the headliner everyone had come for them in fact even scepter was like a smallish band at that time like scepter was you know chotu like they were like people stood up for them but naked earth is when people went crazy Mm. so yeah that was the that was the way the first show went and the good thing is like prashant said there were like 200 300 people were there and we actually made money on that first show wow yeah first and last time ever <laughs> <laughs> back in the 90s thursday nights at raj rhino was the biggest like event for a lot of scenesters when i got in i saw sahil on stage with prashant shah who is the scribe guitarist belting out some loud heavy riffs and jash patak and my good old friend aditya mehta on stage too i was like wow that sounds like a loud noisy and a fast band seems like fun uh, but over the years I played and shared the stage with DR as I was in Kinky Ski Monkey in Pendrop Islands. I remember DR was like one of the only bands that played originals their own music while all the other bands were like busy pleasing people with like covers and even the the crowd judged you based on the quality of your covers. I first saw DR in the first show at Raz after Prashant left so it must have been in May 2000 uh it was a three piece then uh Sahil was a college acquaintance who had then become friends with my brother so we had all gone for the show my most enduring memory from that show was seeing Yash before the show and he was this tiny scrawny kid who was uh walking around with drumsticks in his sticking out of his bag and i thought maybe he was the drummer's friend and when the set started and he got behind the stage i was blown away by how fabulous he was that i think is like one of my most lasting memories from that show um later we found the band website and saw that sahil was looking out for a female singer i reached out to him in an uncharacteristically proactive move on my part and thought i was being called in to audition but was basically just taken into the band that was also the day that ashwin salian joined the band as a bassist my first show was in the raz lawns in june 2000 and it was i think either death west or tremors i forget which one i sang only a verse or two in a couple of songs and felt quite useless on stage Over the next few months the band went through a massive inflation in band members so at a point we were i think seven of us on stage and obviously Sahil wanted to simplify so i was asked to take up keyboard duties and Aditya took up the bass guitar So that was Ashwin Ashwin Dutt and then 
Nikita. So here's the question then. How tough was it to find musicians at that time? Or really, what would you attribute to this changing roster? Um, so I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I was like, I want to play. I do not want to stop. I do not want this machine to stop working. We need to get cracking. Like, we can't do time pass. This is not a, you know, joke. Like, it was because I had put my, and I still, I mean, till today, like my entire life, is behind the band like i've lived my entire life has been designed around the band whether it's the job i got whether it's the choices i've made of living at home everything has been because of so i was 16 i was like this is what i want to do for the rest of my life this is my dream i want to make it as a band so i was like nothing is going to stop me you know so after the first show prashant had to go back to America. Like, so Prashant was only here for a short duration. He had come for a couple of months. We always knew he was going back. Mm. Uh, so Prashant was going back. I always knew that. Uh, Farhad had to go on a holiday. Uh, so I was like, I don't care if he's going on a holiday. I We still need to play a show since we've got a show. Like, you can't, you can't, you cannot, like, not take a gig up. <laughs> so, and I was like, okay, so Prashant is gone. Uh, I'll, I'll have to now learn to play guitar and sing, which I did. Uh, so I was like, Farad is not here, guys. And anyway, we didn't have a bass player. So I was like, okay, um, let's play anyway. So we played the show. I don't think it was a great show. It was horrible. Sang horribly, played horribly. But uh, nonetheless, after that show, Aditya was like, look, I know Ashwin who plays bass. Uh, and I think um, I had, like you said, Nikita saw us. And I think I spoke to her in college. I can't even remember that story now. But whatever, Nikita joined the band as a female vocalist. Um, and uh, then we started jamming and we got Death Fest. So again, we were back with a different lineup. Then after that Death Fest show happened, uh, again, there were some heavy duty mistakes and all that happened on stage and blah, blah, blah. So also there was a lot of conflict because I was a bit like of a dick, maybe. I was very uh, controlling and like, um, I obviously didn't have skills of dealing with people and being very diplomatic and whatever, whatever. So I was often the tyrant or the dictator, <laughs> my way or the highway <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, so after that show, Farad, uh, Farad was like, yeah, okay, you know, I mean, I, I was happy to help you out, but this really isn't my long-term scene. So we're like, okay. And uh, then Nikita was like, I can play keyboards as well. So then, okay, Nikita became vocal and keyboard. Um, and then we were like, I think we wanted a lead guitar player because we felt that we needed one since neither Aditya nor myself could play lead guitar. So that's when we met Ashish. Uh, then Ashish was there for a while and then we played a show. And, and again, in those days, imagine, I'm talking those days when basically getting three monitors on stage was a Luxury. big thing. Yeah. So we had a gig where there was again a big fight on stage where Aditya, me and Ashisha there. And again, like I said, I was a kid. I was selfish. I was a dumbass. So we had a bit of a fight on stage because there were not enough amps. Aditya didn't know where to plug in. And I obviously then Aditya became the least important guitar player, no? Because Ashish was the lead guitarist. I was rhythm and vocal and whatever, band founder. So Aditya got kind of sidetracked there. Uh, and then we had a big talk and I was like, listen, Aditya, it's, you know, Either you play bass and I and Ashwin leaves or you leave or whatever. So Aditya shifted to bass then and Ashwin left. And then I guess, again, Ashish was 
he enjoyed playing or whatever but again he didn't last very long because he was there for a while and the thing with me is for me it was like like i said i have to do every show so even if someone was not there i was like we'll try and find someone to fill in and i think like the dr songs were not so unplayable back in the day in terms of drums and stuff like mm-hmm. but it's still difficult uh, so there were people who filled in and i think at that point also i didn't realize the the concept of sessions members or uh, uh, musicians for hire yeah. so i just i just treated everyone like they've joined the band for one show and left <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah i i think it it this just went on for a bit it was not that many lineup changes also but it was enough in the first year itself to kind of like having a different lineup at every single gig is is a lot for any band you know mm-hmm. but then yeah. i think yeah we we finally settled down without a lead guitarist uh, so in fact uh, yeah prashant came back as well at one point in 2001 and then finally i think around 2001 after that la- last show with prashant where he just came back for that one gig um we settled on the four piece lineup that was there and yeah. then from yeah there it went somewhere else only that's yeah, another story <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let's uh, let's move on to the other big milestone that happened just like a few months after formation well nine months actually to be precise uh dr had released its first album demon stealer yes now 9 months that's like a absolute platform to have really bad dad joke connotations <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i didn't think that through <laughs> <laughs> but you know here comes the question why choose to cover frozen by madonna uh so i think you are referring to the a uh, second version of the album okay because okay. the first version which nobody has now or well there will be maybe 300 people who will have a uh, they did not have um, madonna's cover of frozen on it it in fact had an acoustic version of my world of sadness yeah so i'm one of those 300 i think because yes. i think even though i have the second version of the album you forgot to burn frozen by madonna on it but instead burn me the first version of the album oh shit <laughs> oh dude that's bad <laughs> that's okay <laughs> yeah so uh, why why versions etc just talk to us about demon stealer right so uh where, where do i even start so 16 year old kid with a dream to conquer the metal world with an unrelenting passion being a complete dick not having any consideration for other people thinking he knows everything blah 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 whatever kid basically teenager um i went ahead with the album like I, like i said i did everything on that first album actually so november 2000 um we went to strawberry fields okay that is where we released the album the whole like strawberry fields was in bangalore was yeah. the show to play you know yeah yeah so we went there i had burnt 300 copies in total or something of the cd and i had taken i think maybe 50 or something to bangalore and when we landed there everybody came and met us uh, nolan kp yasmin ganesh 
uh, all the guys from the bands Fallacy and uh, all these other bands in uh, Bangalore, Toto, whole bunch of people like they and everyone bought a CD without having seen us play everything. It that that moment was like for me. Bangalore became the music scene place in in the country. I mean, not that I'd been anywhere else, but just that the brotherhood, the friendliness, the the real genuine love for music. Like Bombay was good, and I've always had a love hate relationship with Bombay because Bombay has always been for me like a sort of not a very friendly city for DR. So like even though we were uh-huh. doing stuff, there were always haters, and there were always people who. didn't like the fact that we were doing well uh, you know thought we didn't deserved it but in bangalore there was just love man like so i was fully taken in by that uh, thing but musically the album was not good at all because i obviously i was i had been what recording music for hardly any time uh, i didn't have that much experience i had no nowhere to learn how to improve except yeah. just try trial and error because there was no youtube there with free tutorials there were no plugins mm. that were so easily available like and i couldn't even afford a studio where i could go and learn stuff or anything so literally for me it was like i'm on my own and again being a you know teenager i was like you know i can do it i don't need anybody's help blah 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 so i sung everything on the first album all the keyboards were programmed on fruity loops all the drums were programmed i even played or programmed bass i don't even remember now So literally, nobody in the band was involved in that album. It was just me, yeah. and uh, because of that, obviously the singing was not good. There was a acoustic version, so I was like, you know what, we need to redo. So and also because those were my first like songs that made it somewhere, I I obviously didn't want to let go of them. Mm-hmm. Even today, I still go like, you know what, maybe I should redo those songs. Maybe I should make a updated version and you know show the world the. potential the songs have you know uh so i guess it just it was natural to re-record and in the second recording um oh ashish ashish played guitar on the first recording that is yes and his guitar was completely out of tune and okay. i could and i could not hear the out of tune because it was not like super super out of tune but it was out of tune enough yeah i did everything except the lead guitar and those two reasons Well, why I was like, we have to redo it without the out of tune guitar and with Nikita singing and let her play yeah. keyboards and let Aditya also do backing vocals in one or two places where he does them live. So the second recording was a slightly more band effort, which is why we did it. That's why it came out. Yeah, two thousand one. Yeah, I remember being like very excited to finally buy this off you when I met you eventually. Yeah, and then I heard the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> Let's just say that I'm I'm proud of the fact that my misery was perhaps the first Indian metal song I ever figured out on my own on guitar. <laughs> <laughs> There are people who still like that song, huh? Who like? Yeah, it was it was almost like the like because of the intro, I guess it was very nothing else matters esque in that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think we've always had a thing with these uh, songs with acoustic intros, like even Frozen Portrait. Like it's almost like people only know that intro. Rest of it is like, yeah, I couldn't care less about the rest of the song. <laughs> that intro is the money part of it. Like that's why I'm here. In mid two thousand one, we started sounding better and more cohesive. I think. 
We did shows once a month and a lot of the bands used to hang out together, like Yinkiski Monkey, Pin Drop Violence and us. We did a show with all these bands at the first MTV AIDS Summit in 2001 as part of the Deep Throat Records compilation. We assumed it was a multi-stage gig at SNDT in Juhu, but we had only been given a tent like the ones that you give to promoters for promotions and there was no PA. And we had only been given two passes among all the artists in all the bands. So it was an exercise to get every single band member into the venue one at a time. Again, this could have been completely disheartening, but it was turned into fun times for everyone as any artist that was bored was playing for any band they felt like. So it was like a huge jam in a way. My last show with DR was Mood Eye 2001. It was a huge change from just one year ago. This was a show without Aditya and I really missed him for the show because we had really worked hard and we sounded so good. The feeling of being the first band on that day that made the bored and completely listless, mood-eye, qualifying crowd that just kind of hangs around the stairs at the back of the amphitheater to surge forward and throng near the stage is going to be one of my best memories of my time in DR. So, at, at what point did Deep Throat happen? Because in my eyes, uh, Deep Throat really did a lot for DR and the whole metal community as such, as a whole. Yeah, did it yeah. really? I mean, at that time, we thought it did. Um, you know, and, and it was in some way... Uh, for, I'd like to Google Deep Throat right now. All I'm getting is porn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the exact date that Deep Throat happened. Uh, because, yeah, I, I think it was around that time. But I think, again, the issue with Deep Throat was that it was in Belapur, uh, yeah. the studio. And Nikita could not come for the recording because parents didn't allow her to travel to Belapur with uh, uh, <laughs> three guys. So... <laughs> I think that is why she was not on the album. So that's why we did Creatures of Ancient Blood. Uh, Nikita was not on that recording. Um, also, which is why like Nikita missed all the Strawberry Field gigs. Which is why uh, the second time in 2001, DR didn't go to Strawberry Fields. Uh, mm. Because Nikita's parents obviously said no. And Yash's parents also were getting more and more like against him playing in a band because he was not studying and all. So that's when Reptilian Death formed and I went as Reptilian Death in 2001. So it's, yeah, it's it's quite weird. But yeah, Deep Throat, I think it 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 definitely at that time felt like something very important and it probably was like for a lot of people to get into the scene that way. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it did that much at least. Like, I don't know if it did anything on a global level. They wanted to do a lot of stuff, but it never really took off. But this much at least they were able to do quite well, I think. I can attest to that. So, you know, in 2000, uh, sorry, the band breaks up in 2002 and kind of reforms in 2003, which with a lineup, which I think <coughs> most people will remember with Hussein, Mephisto and uh, JP. Yeah. Isn't that around the same time that you started uh, Resurrection? Uh, kind of. So uh, there was a bit of, so uh, I think like you said, Nikita's did her la- Nikita did her last show in 2001 at Mudai. Um, I think that was when Aditya had also been fired from the band. Uh, and I think basically, oh no, something, yeah, I think then Hussein joined the band. 
uh, after yeah. that uh, and then nikita was actually still in the band for most of the year like we never met we never jammed and all but she was supposed to play i rock with us in 2002 i think yes uh, i rock 2002 uh, and yash yash basically quit just before i rock i remember this yeah i had a big fall out with prashant at that time about him stealing yash for exhumation and all that and uh, being the reason yash quit so we had a big me and hussein went and talked to yash outside his lane and tried to like sort it out and get him to play the show but he just refused so basically iroc has been like this black black spot for me because band members always quit before iroc <laughs> for whatever reason <laughs> so so yash like ditches us just before iroc so again we start looking for a drummer i think at that time ritu from thor came to try out but he had some scene so he wasn't able to play neeraj from bilail also came uh, there was a band called bilail back in the day mm-hmm. and basically nothing worked out and finally somehow viru came and played and uh, viru was like the only guy who was reliable who was like yeah okay i'll play i'll do it he came he learned the songs he was able to play Uh, because again at that point the metal scene barely had any double bass drummers like there was uh. still a time when double bass pedals were not a regular feature i had bought mine from singapore for yash to use uh, so luckily found viru with double bass could play excel- excellent uh, nikita actually came for sound check um and i remember and i don't know whatever was going on with her but basically she was completely out of uh, tune during that sound check because she could hear herself you know those were days like equipment was terrible and you mm. know if, if as a singer if you don't hear your hear the key properly yeah uh, you you like and she was a good singer but like she needed to find the key first like if you find the key she was in tune so whatever she didn't get the key sound check was out of tune farad wadia was like what the fuck is this man <laughs> so, and then nikita basically said look i don't think i can do the show so we actually did the show without her and um yeah so after that viru was also he was only there for that show that show was fuck all we got booed we got uh, paper cups thrown at us we we threw merch to the crowd as a freebie the merch got thrown back to us and <laughs> then after that it was me and hussein so there was no like full breakup of the band like there was always somebody there so hussein was there like for a year with me before uh-huh. mephisto and jp joined in so hussein was involved before that because he was in rd with me he was a guitar student of mine who i put on bass i always convert guitar players to bass players <laughs> <laughs> so because yeah i needed a bass player for rd so hussein got thrown on to bass got a guitar player and then I basically i told hussein just join dr also and then yeah uh, mephisto was in touch with me he chased me around he joined the band and then jp joined and then that 2004 so we actually jammed for a full year all of 2003 was kind of spent uh writing new songs getting the band together we even had another female vocalist called nandini who was there for a while before she mm. also bounced so we never played any gigs with her but we did a photo shoot with her and then yeah when we were coming back to the scene i think death fest had done its last gig there was no other shows happening so i was like let's do our own show like cuz i had organized dr's first gig with ovi so yeah. like, let's give it a name let's do it and all and that's how resurrection was born 2004 resurrection was born yeah you know you kind of came to the part where i was going next with all the ga- jams and gigs in this era led to your second release uh, darkness descends 
Yeah. Now, not only was this a landmark release for the band, but also in the Indian metal scene, because as far as I remember, you not only put together a release plan, but also mm. did pre-orders and stuff like that, which was kind of unheard for Indian bands at that time. Yes. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So I remember all that. The the sleeve and each each song had a dedicated artwork to yeah. it and lyrics and it was fantastic, man. And I I completely flipped out for the re-recorded Frozen Portrait and Spirits of the Mystic Mountain. Yeah, man, that was. Uh, I think I guess a lot has to do with the fact that like uh, the rest of the band, like and especially Mephisto, because he was the creative guy, uh, and he was the visual guy at that time as well. Like you know, he was into art, art and doing artworks and all. So I think we kind of just it was like we were like we have to make this incredible and I think at that point I was like yeah you know so I was I was the PR guy so I figured out okay you know there are all these websites we'll mail them there are all these record labels I can try trading with them I used to obviously see other bands working as well I was on um, CD I think uh, I used to CD constantly Baby. read up on articles yeah I think we got that out on CD Baby as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I generally, for me, I was constantly researching and studying how to promote your band. Basically, that was yeah. my in, instead of practicing guitar and all, I was busy learning how to do that. You know, so uh, I think it's just the whole band really took a big effort on this. Like, and it and it uh, it was a very collective effort, right from the writing of the music. Uh, to putting the artwork together, like everybody would come to my house. Prashant would be here, and he would sit and he would do each artwork, and uh, you know we would all give feedback and like, and I guess you know being in college and all, you had the time also to do all this. Like, so you know, um, obviously when you're in in a band when you're working and all, it's very different. But like we all made time for this. It was yeah. yeah. Another thing that I remember of that record was. all those crazy collaborations i mean you had a lot of guest musicians on that on that album in fact i remember chatting with you on the forums about warren solo and yeah. you telling me that yeah warren warren can play any style he wants to <laughs> yeah so that was the time i was working at farad wadia studio um so uh, warren was my well co-worker slash boss and obviously he always had his guitar in the studio and he was always playing and uh i was a shitty guitar player so watching warren play was like insane and you know he would always joke around and like you know like play some metal stuff and like you know and it's just that he had the the ear for it like he obviously yeah now if i go back and i listen to what he was playing i could nitpick at it but he just it it convinced me that he could play whatever and the fact that of the matter is he he nailed that solo like mm. and yeah. yeah i i don't know i think uh, it was that point we were like we okay we don't have a lead guitar but these songs need something else like uh, and if we had an idea we wanted to execute it so whether it was kanika's vocals on apocalyptic dawn and behind the mask of god uh, because i i was still very hung up on the female vocal aspect of metal i still yeah. loved that i still wanted it in certain places uh and the thing is i was not a good singer like uh even today i still struggle a little bit uh, but at that time i was really not very good and th- that was also a very critical time in indian music when everything would be dissected on the forums like you know yeah. oh, this gig the third verse the third line this guy went off by like fucking two notes oh shit so 
you know every note bad note was like written about like people i i feel like today people don't listen to music like that anymore like yeah man yeah so the band was always against me singing and always against me playing any solos <laughs> so <laughs> i would always try like i cannot tell you how many clean versions of dr songs there are with me singing and trying and and now when i listen to them i'm like it's such a good thing they didn't let me sing because it's all out of fucking tune so they they would constantly reject my clean vocal parts and finally and again the main thing is i was working in farad wadia studio so uh-huh. i was working with a very very high caliber of musicians so one of those musicians was parvez kadir uh, he's a, a jingle yeah. singer he's obviously he's done an indie pop album also and he was a like for me my mind used to be blown when i used to watch these guys sing cuz they would come in they would nail like there was no question of like are you're out of tune types it's like what is the new tune you want now like like for me singing was very intuitive like you know just like okay these guys were like okay no no we need this note here can you change this note to this and they had so much control so i was blown away so i was just like let me take a you know i had a good rapport with all these people so i said like you know parvez will you sing on the album like you know we are a band now he said yeah 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 man i'll cool i'll sing so he agreed to do it so we got him to do all the clean parts except one song in the moment he read the name carnival of depravity he's like no no listen i don't want to sing this man <laughs> i say <like>, okay <laughs> cuz you know again like a lot of people like in the studio um, they're not metal heads and they they may not then they kind of might take offense to your anti yeah. uh, your sort of demonic imagery and i mean they didn't really but like well like i said like a small thing like carnival of depravity he's like oh, no i'll pass on that <laughs> the rest of it he was okay with you know um so yeah we got him to do that and then uh, prashant also we got him to do some stuff and then uh, niranjan dhar pose yeah. who and you through the forums we got him to do one solo so yeah we got all these things done man it was, it was quite quite cool what are your favorite songs of the album now looking back i think for me uh, spirits of the mystic mountains still is one of my favorite songs from that album and uh, where shadows lie ooh okay Yeah, those are my two favorite tracks. All right, and I I know you talked about uh, planning on you know re-recording or remixing uh, songs of uh, Demon Stealer. Have you yeah. been tempted to re-record, remix, or remaster any stuff from uh, Darkness Descends and put it out again? Ah, uh, so the problem is Darkness Descends uh, was recorded at Farad Wadia Studio. Ah. Uh, all the files are in farad wadia's studio computer which i don't know where it is anymore so i actually do not have the files of that album uh, <laughs> so i was like and the thing is on that album the keyboard layering is of some other level only like mm. there are six six different layers for each part with different instruments to get that sound so i don't even know how mephisto even if i got mephisto to come back just to re-record this stuff i don't know how we would recreate it uh, but the thought did cross my mind of maybe re-recording a couple of tracks the ones that we used to play live where we could kind of you know give it a new spin so we we did a re-recording of uh, journey to solaris recently uh, just before nishit and ashwin quit the band and uh, uh, definitely like yeah it was quite cool to do that but yeah i i don't know if we could do the whole album again in fact i i'm thinking it would take me like 6 months just to figure out all the guitar parts of the songs <laughs> that we stopped playing live 
Okay. All right. Moving on. I, it's these years, like after the darkness descends, that demonic resurrection's popularity as such started really increasing. And that has a lot to do with your hard work, as you spoke, all those emails and forums and messages and and really whatnot. So, you know, you, you also went in a way to a global level because you talked about, you know, actually mailing CDs to review sites and, you know, trading CDs and all. What are the reactions to the band back then? Was it like seen as exotic or Indian metal, you know, the curiosity of it? What is that? All, what is the reactions on the global level? Oh, the react the response was amazing. Like I, I think we went over the moon uh, because you know th- we had never done this before. Like with Demon Stealer, I had done a little bit here and there where I'd sent out a few CDs, but obviously didn't get many reviews. But I did get some offers to release it, but I don't think any of those releases actually ever went through or happened. Uh, there were some offers from Malaysia and Brazil, so. While that got some amount of global attention that I could muster from mp3.com and other places. Again, I think this album, we just put so much of our energy behind it. So I was mailing out CDs. I was writing to every zine possible. And I guess um, because we were from India, there was an interest, you know. And uh, for whatever reason, people, people enjoyed the album. I remember getting a 9 out of 10 on Metal Observer and being just like insane. This is epic. And I think also maybe a lot of people didn't know what to expect from an Indian band. And then to hear these sort of uh, songs and get, you know, just the music in general, I think they were quite um, flawed by the variety of of sounds across that album, you know. Uh, The style changes and the fact that everything was executed quite well, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think, and a lot of uh, labels were trading with me. So, you know, they would say, send 10, 10 of your CDs and we'll send you 10 of ours. And we just really, really, really pushed that album. So, you know, soon after that, you also put out a five-track EP, Beyond the Darkness, which was part of the compilation Rise of the Eastern Blood, which was a split yeah. with uh, Severe Demen- Dementia, Dusk. Uh, but... That was a kind of strange time also in the Bombay metal scene where you had Raz shutting down. It yeah. led to like a lot of gigs. Uh, yeah. Pradeep, the guitarist who joined you on that al- on that release, leaves. But you recruit a young new guitarist. And just to introduce that part, let's hear about his first gig with the band. So we have somebody who has memories of that gig. Oh. I think one of my favorite memories was definitely when um, the Return to Darkness launched in uh, 2010, and they had this show, uh, a launch show in uh, Borivli at a, at a place called Bayview, I believe. And uh, my friend Daniel was playing uh, for DR at that point, and it was just um, like a wonderful mix to sort of see that. We also went to the venue, which is I think probably hosting metal for the first time. So that was it. Was always an experience in itself. Any guesses who that was? Yeah, it's Taggart. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And, and here's another memory from that show from somebody else. The show would not have happened without Sahil. Because uh, at that time, during that uh, 2008 uh, period in our Bombay, there was hardly any venues to do a show. <laughs> 
and sahil asked me like i i asked sahil basically i called up sahil hey i want to do this particular tribute show and i'm not sure where to do it are you looking at to do a resurrection or something like that so that's when he mentioned to me he said like i am planning to do this show at this new venue called bayview in borelli um so like he was planning the metal injector show with uh, workshop and scribe over there uh so he said come why don't you come and why don't you uh, also work on the show and you will see then how the venue is and you can plan to do your show as well later on so that's how i ended up seeing the venue because of him and because of him we ended up doing the show later on at the same place and when i called him to ask him details you know like uh, how much it costs and etc that's when he pitched the idea of to me ki hey demonic resurrection has actually not played since almost i think uh it was i think around 8 or 9 months uh, that they had not performed because pradeep had left the band so and they were looking for a new basically lead guitarist and they had found one and they had kept it a secret nobody there he had not in, he had not informed anybody that daniel had joined the band so he wanted to do the show uh, with daniel for the first time and it, it was very interesting to you know see him take that much of interest first of all <laughs> in something like this and then he said to me ki hey you know i would want uh, you to get sound.com as the vendor for the show because the one thing i'll come and do the show free but one thing is that i need proper sound for the show i will help you with photos as well <laughs> he helped me with uh, getting the on stage gear by getting photos as uh, partner for the show which is also amazing <laughs> so all the linies and repacks and everything came on board for free of cost from backline uh so the only condition was to get proper uh, monitoring and soh for the show from sound.com and uh, yeah so fully uh, i called he gave me he gave me <laughs> fully uh, contact and i called up fully and spoke to him explaining what the show was and he then sahil also spoke to uh, sound.com and they came on board to do the sound in a very very discounted rate <laughs> i don't think anybody will give a sound <laughs> and pa system for that rate even back then in 2008 what they have given me for that show so yeah that's how we ended up doing the show and we are also performed at the show Kyle, tell us about Shal- that show. <laughs> tell you about Ashwin Shalva. Or <laughs> <laughs> just debuting Daniel. Ah, Daniel. I don't remember much about that show actually. Ah, I yeah. Okay. I, okay, so first, first tell us about recruiting Daniel. Daniel. So I found Daniel in uh, Fatados. <laughs> 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 he was in Xavier's and he would come to Fatados and he would uh, be blazing away on the guitar and um, I think I also kind of knew that Pradeep was going to leave sooner or later you know as I as I know with most members when their time is coming to an end in the band um I can just sense it like okay this guy is on his way out or this is uh, I better I better start gearing up for a replacement Uh, so when i saw daniel play and he liked dr uh, and you know um, 
his dad also used to be there all the time. His dad had seen DR and his dad knew me and stuff. And I saw him playing. I was like, you know what? When Pradeep leaves, this guy is going to join the band. This guy is the guitar player. Like, he's the guy. And I know we did an audition for it as well. Um, and Daniel was one of three people who came to audition. Uh, and yeah, Daniel pretty much nailed it. Like, we... We basically, I think, asked them to learn one or two songs and Daniel came. We, Viru gave a folk count and it just he just played the the song from start to end. We didn't have to tell him anything. We didn't have to stop him and say, you're playing this wrong or nothing. It's just, he just, he had... The thing is, Daniel is was a prodigy. Like, he, he has perfect pitch. He had worked out all the parts, all the solos, everything. The other two guys, uh, not so much. So, there was... Um, not much of a question of who was... And like I said, I, I think I'd already made up my mind about Daniel, but I, I just wanted to have the audition any which way, you know? Mm. So, yeah, I found him in Fatados. I think um, we... Again, so Pradeep had quit just before IROC. Again, <laughs> again, again, fucking IROC. 2008 <laughs> IROC, just... And again, it was it was it was not on bad terms, but it was it was a whatever last minute ditch kind of thing. Any which way, like we we used to jam at late in the night at my place because I think at that time Hussein and Mephisto were both both quite uh, uh, busy with their jobs, so they would actually be working till like nine or nine thirty ten in the night, and they'd come to my place by like ten thirty eleven, and we jammed till twelve. And then for mm. Pradeep who lived in Ambarnath, it was a nightmare getting home. So he would reach home at like three in the morning and all. And I think he was like, boss, this is not worth it. I was like, I can't live like this. So we knew that quitting was coming because he would, you know, you could tell like. Um, but I think Daniel had not been like formally recruited for IROC. So we did IROC as a four piece. Uh, it was Mephisto, Hussein, myself and Viru. 2008 IROC. Um, mm. Yeah. And then Daniel joined in. I think then we were looking for that gig and we probably contacted I. I, how Ashwin? I don't remember any of this stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember it was Bayview. I do remember we. Now that he mentioned it, yeah, we didn't tell anyone that Daniel had joined. He just sort of came on stage and and surprise. <laughs> so wait, there's there's another funny memory from that. I remember this one kid at that show who got injured in the mosh pit during DR set and he stumbled and he came out and he fell in front of me like outside and I was like shit <laughs> and he was wincing in pain like he was like oh clutching his stomach and he was like oh shit oh shit and I picked him up I gave him a bottle of water to drink he just poured it over his head and he ran back inside into the mosh pit <laughs> and I was at the gate looking at the band and uh, like Daniel was playing the solo of I think uh, Spirits of the Mystic Mountain yeah Spirits of the Mystic Mountain the song <laughs> and it was an insane moment I'll never forget that <laughs> wow <laughs> Ashwin Sharma has good memories of yeah. shows yeah man that's so Good memory indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So eventually in 2010, we moved to 2010 now, 10 years yeah. of the band done almost. And in comes the third album, which is the last of the Darkness trilogy, The Return to Darkness. Yes. 
And this, of course, brings you your first ever music video, which was Unrelenting Search of Vengeance. Yes. <laughs> How was that like? Ten years later, first ever music yeah. video. Yeah, man. I mean, it was it was something like I think we always were a band that worked on budgets and were very careful about money. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of bands, I think, pool in tons of money and go all out on albums and spend lakhs and lakhs doing stuff. And I think. for me i was always about being practical for me it was like see these bands are all here today spending 3 lakhs on an album and in 5 years they will all be gone and disbanded and i'd seen this obviously over the 10 years of being in the scene you know yeah. um because like you can't sustain spending that kind of money on each album for me the goal was always whatever money is spent on the album it has to be earned back if it is not on back your album is not worth it like you will so i think that's also why we never attempted music videos and also i guess there was also no indie film scene uh, there was no every second person owning a dslr and making a music video was actually an affair that cost you a lakh or two lakh yeah. three lakhs four lakhs whatever so i think by 2010 youtube was starting to be big in india there was some semblance of an indie a uh, film scene happening and that's kind of where vas came in and vas was doing uh, you know his film making and he was doing indie stuff he was not doing the bollywood so i think he might have a better memory of how it it came about <laughs> but basically we we spoke to him he agreed to do the video and was not going to cost too much and yeah it just happened and it was a great shoot we got gear from fatados as we always do uh, and we shot in this abandoned building and it was it was just awesome man it was so so much fun to do our first video and uh, we got signed to candlelight records uh, a lot of things happened that 2010 was like an incredible year for us we had we had booked a brutal assault for 2009 but viru didn't have a passport so we cancelled <laughs> our appearance in 2009 and rebooked for 2010 so we played our first two international festivals that year Uh, we also did inferno festival norway which was our first ever international gig and it was completely paid for because of the uh, exchange program between uh, rix concerte that's the concerts norway and uh, gir or rock street journal yeah so uh, yeah it was absolutely what a year man we won the golden god that year as well we won a couple of rolling stone metal awards um, so everything just kind of fell into place that year with this album Yeah so you know you kind of walked ahead with the question i had where um, you know this was the year that dr truly went international you got your distribution deal with uh, candle right record you already your first uh, international festivals so yeah. let's play a clip from you know those memories that some of your old members had oh wow my favorite dia moment uh, there are way too many but uh, one really stands out uh, so in the early 2000s uh, during the pre online streaming days we used to download concerts from the internet and exchange cds and i had cds of demo borger and other black metal bands playing at this festival called inferno i literally had a dream once where dia was uh, playing at inferno festival and my favorite dr moment is the realization of this dream when we actually got to play at inferno festival in norway uh, in 2010 um my favorite memory of my time in dr this is going to be tough because i spent some of my 
the greatest years of my life in that band and I have so many fond memories but um I think it's going to be between either our trip to Inferno Festival in Oslo or our trip to Brutal Assault in Czech Republic and I think I'm going to go with uh, Inferno because nothing could have prepared me for what that was like that was my first international gig and I think my first international trip period and was probably the first if not one of the first uh, international gigs DR did and just that experience of being at a legit international metal festival not just watching but also being around some of my favorite metal bands and being around some of the bands that I would end up being a big fan of that experience was surreal it just felt amazing and oslo was one of those cities that i've always wanted to visit because as most metal uh, fans have this fascination with norway right especially like people who are into black metal there's this fascination with norway so for me that was that was a big deal and that experience is still very clear in my memory so that of course was mephisto then followed by daniel yeah <laughs> do, do you want to add any more to their memories of inferno yeah i mean what a festival man like we I, like danielson nothing can prepare you for it you see it on on shows and especially when you're at a young younger age like you just go there and everybody is in black everybody's got spikes and leather and like that like you know not like bombay everyone's in three fourths and chappals like <laughs> you go there and you're like fucking hell dude and it's cold and you are and you just and the connection with people like you you're walking around and there's isan and there's uh, obsidian from keep of callisen and there's nick barker getting a tattoo and you know you're just like there's jack daniels flowing there's beer flowing there's like you just you just don't like it's amazing and watching your like watching uh, i think what we watch mayhem mayhem and watching uh, all your favorite bands your obscura we saw obscura at that time i barely wow. knew obscura at that time and that was with hans grossman and uh, just seeing all these bands and that that atmosphere there man nothing can you can't put it into words and inferno is like a incredible first festival experience because it's an indoor festival so it's it's not like it you know getting thrown into camping and suddenly like you know you're like in an uncomfortable place but this is like a it was a perfect experience man like we're having breakfast and there's gal sitting there and eating his eggs and toast or whatever and uh, samoth from emperor walking around the buffet and you're just like what <laughs> and isan oh man dude like we met everybody it was insane Yeah, and you know you already talked about, but later on that summer you all played the brutal assault, which is yeah. your second, and this is brutal assault you all played for the first time. Uh, so I I happened to be within the vicinity of yeah. the festival, so I ended up uh, attending that festival, and I still remember like I was so proudly wearing that uh, old uh, DR logo T-shirt and standing up front watching you guys play an early slot. I think it was like eleven or twelve in the afternoon. Yeah, But, yeah. Uh, it was just crazy just to see. So I mean, really, you know. the perception of the band changed at a global level that year would you say that yeah definitely i think that year is is when we really kind of like we actually took the next big step from 2005 you know 2005 just kind of put was dipping the toe into the water 
2010, I would say, is putting the foot in ankle deep at least, you know. But, you know, it, it's not always uh, about uh, the international gigs. So we have some other memories from another old band member. I think my favorite time being in the morning resurrection was um, the time when we were touring India. I'm quite sure the other guys in the band would have gone, you know, Irfano and fucking Europe was Amis Balls and whatever. But I think for me, it was definitely the time in India when um, the gigs were so badly organized and we were probably the first metal band to play in that city or that town. And just uh, the fact that we were there for the first time and playing metal, I think it was an amazing feeling. Um, the whole, the, the excitement of the crowd, the excitement of the people, just making do with whatever equipment you get on stage, the, the, the time after the show, the time leading up to the shows and stuff was just amazing. Spending time with the, with the guys in the band, with the people, uh, seeing things around. I, I definitely enjoyed my time during that period. If you didn't guess already, that was the same. Yeah, but what the hell is the accent, man? <laughs> <laughs> South Africa is rubbing up on him. <laughs> but you know, by the time you'll re- uh, release Return to Darkness, DR was now like properly touring across India. And if I remember well, you all did about six, seven shows in support of the album. So does any city or show stand out from your memory and why? Yeah, that was, I think, yeah, we did um, we did the five cities. We added some more. We, all, we did almost 10 cities for that resurrection. We had Tuborg on as a sponsor. It was, it was crazy. I think um, I definitely remember the Shillong show a lot because it was not for good reasons. It was at some place called Cloud Nine, which was like a very fancy club and they weren't letting the metalheads in. They were like being really... Uh, anal about stuff and then finally they let them in the full food they did not let us start because the football world cup or some shit was going on behind us and i think insane prophecy played uh, a few songs i think plague throat also was there i can't remember but we literally played like four songs <laughs> but it was it was amazing that was a crazy uh, show the crowd in shillong was insane they were like so passionate um yeah, I definitely remember that. Um, but yeah, that was that was definitely there. Then even the Bombay show was really good. Uh, it was at some place called Marimbak. Yeah. <laughs> in Andheri behind where Fun Republic and all are now somewhere there. And yeah, moving all the furniture, uh, playing. The, uh, that, that tour was great. That was one of the really fun India tours that we did. The Pune show was very good. I, I think that overall it was a great, great tour that we did. Yeah. Eventually, of course, the band keeps moving on and we reach 2014 where we see the band's fourth album, The Demon King. Yes. Yeah. And and by this time, you know, you are the marketing guy because I remember attending a listening party you had uh, yeah. before the album, uh, which was really cool. Just, yeah, I remember you printed out the lyrics so like everyone could sit and like actually get yeah. into it. So that was cool. But, you know, now the band has costumes. How did that come about? <laughs> yeah, so, I, you know, honestly, like, I have to uh, credit Mephisto quite a bit for all this stuff in terms of the listening party. And, uh, like, a lot of these ideas were his, actually. Like, he he would come up with this and we'll print the lyrics and give it to them so they can, you know, um, uh, read the story and all that. So, yeah, we, we, we kind of just... I think with every album, 
at least when when mephisto has been there there's always been someone with me in the driver seat like i think uh from day one he has been i would say and like the 50% of of dr along with me in terms of being involved and being invested in the band uh like not to say that the others didn't put in a lot of effort but in terms of just going beyond writing the music it's always been me and mephisto whether it's been coming up with ideas whether it's been promotion the band look the band uh, sound the band you know ideally everything is just kind of been like through the two of us so he was one that like, you know we should do costumes we do up our uh, live show etc etc so yeah that's that, that's a lot uh, a lot of it is due to him pushing for that and also what was cool about this album is you had the distribution deal now with universal music in india so people yeah. could actually like buy it of any of your music stores which still existed uh, back then yeah yeah i think uh, again like for me i i've always been focused on numbers how many copies has it sold why hasn't it sold why is it not selling and a lot of comparison with keep with our social media so like you know we have so many likes so why aren't we selling this percentage of cd so that has always been my biggest uh, burden if you want to call anything that uh, is that social media situation and i think you know there was a constant from people like oh you know it's not available how to get it and and i think for me universal was a trial trial thing to see if uh, if there was any truth to the theory that the distribution or something was the reason we perhaps didn't sell as many copies as we would have liked So yeah I managed to sort that distribution out and yeah I I got my answer. <laughs> okay I have a confession to make here this is the only DR album I've never heard. Oh yeah <laughs> completely Hopefully you listen to it today. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but but I I do remember this I remember seeing you guys live and this is about the time you know when Daniel was uh, Daniel had left I think and Nishit had come in and Hussein had also left so Ashwin Shriyan was on base but yeah. i remember seeing you guys live and i remember like thinking to myself that oh my god you guys are on a different level now because you guys were insanely tight there was a decent amount of showmanship and while perhaps uh, the music didn't re- resonate with me that much but the live act was beautiful to watch i mean Yeah I I remember watching it with uh, Ravi Balakrishnan and both of us were like oh my god DR is so good right now as a live act Yeah I'm glad to hear that um, I guess you know the the thing is one of the things with DR is I think every time we lose a musician the goal is always to get someone better than the last guy you know at least in terms of the uh, playing ability and for sure like you know I won't get into the creative part of it but like in just in terms of tightness uh, execution we always look to get someone better than um, who was there previously which is why it makes it even harder and harder to find new musicians <laughs> now now <laughs> right yeah, so you know, and your your years and your musicianship as such has also increased quite a lot yeah definitely uh, you know as you keep uh, and and that's the thing for me one of the things i learned early on is when you play in a band you should be the worst musician there mm. like 
because then you're always going to be you know pushed to improve yourself because you're playing with much better players so you'll have to up your game rather than you know you being the best one there and you know like being like what are, who are these people i'm playing with which is mm-hmm. also why maybe a lot of them leave eventually because they just too too <laughs> they like i can't play with these subpar guys anymore okay so you know 3 years later you have your fifth album which is uh, in 2017 tashavtar now yeah. this you know kind of i still remember you sending me the promo for it and my initial reaction was oh my god like what is dr done either there's going to be like polarizing reviews like what's going on and yes i'm talking about the introduction of indian sounds i remember that first single that you sent me had sitar and tabla on it so yeah. looking back why on your fifth album now suddenly you get the indian sounds after all those years of being accused of not sounding indian enough right um i think for us on that album it was just a natural progression so with with the demon king um the idea itself for the album was kind of from uh, ramayan uh, because uh, yeah. one of jitesh's friends pratik kamath was a friend of mine who did the mindsnay album artwork and lots of artwork back in the day even the reptilian death artwork um he had written like a book which was a modern day interpretation of ramayan with like nuclear weapons and that kind of stuff and uh, mephisto really liked that story and he wanted the album to basically be lyrically that story like take the book and make an album on it and uh, while i read the book and i did enjoy the book quite a bit i felt like uh, i didn't want to take that story uh exactly as it was i wanted to write my own story but we like the idea of you know uh the visual sort of so the demon king the name came from uh, ravan basically ravan is mm-hmm. the demon king so since the idea for the album title was ravan we thought it would make sense to put it in the artwork you know um mm. which is where that you'll find the first sort of semblance of indian so to speak Right. is the artwork of demon king it's it's ram versus ravan essentially if you look at it in obviously michael x's I- interpretation of it yeah um so we did that and you know there was some uh, toying around with the idea of doing something with indian mythology which i never found interesting in my entire life largely because of the way it's been depicted if you ever watch ramayana or mahabharat while it may have been cool as a child as an adult watching those arrows fly in the air and then these color gradients pop out and all those cheesy costumes and all that it never really appealed to me uh, till dipti started telling me some of the stories so she told me the story of narsimhav and kind of said look our mythology can be quite brutal uh, and you know like narsimhav you know rips out the intestines and there's a garland of it i'm like wow this is really brutal you know i would have never imagined it if i saw it on dd metro with those terrible costumes and <laughs> all that the way it was interpreted so i was like okay this is interesting and i kind of went a little deeper into that and this you know dash avatar there are 10 avatars of vishnu there are 10 stories could not have asked for a better <clears throat> album theme and obviously because we were doing lyrically um the indian the hindu mythology and the stories we were like if if it makes sense in some of the songs let's have um the instruments to go along with it so like krishna plays the flute so you know that's why that song has a flute in it 
so we we took that idea and, and then you know and that time i think rishab scene was also becoming like super popular and he was like well known and i was like well, here's a metal sitar player you know let's see what he can do with this song cuz this song kind of could use that uh, thing which is also why we didn't put him across every album you know it was like okay yeah. which which song needs something added to it so we we worked like in that fashion and that's why uh, the album has those um, themes along with it so the buddha song uh, buddha song has the buddha chants in it uh, and the uh, kurma song has the om namah shivaya chants so we we took those elements that we felt were needed there and we added them okay now i personally think this album should have like happened earlier like chronologically speaking hmm sound could have been explored and released earlier what do you think um i don't think so i don't think it would have worked like i was not in the headspace like this okay. this na- this naturally went to that you know in the in the hmm. beginning it's always about rebellion right like you're there to rebel you're like i don't want to sound indian i don't want to i want to be one of the best whatever black metal death metal bands i want to be able to play music that you know is mine like i want to play i don't want to fall into this cliche of indian music and and there are plenty of bands that have a indian sound and that that uh, again they may be genuine to them but a lot of us look at it as a gimmicky thing or whatever and i'm sure enough people look at dr's album and say ah the gimmick gimmick whatever so and again when you're younger you're more rebellious you're more against like i don't want to fall into this indianness i i'm trying to stay away from it you know it's like with food also for me like uh, i never really was into indian cooking and stuff but once yeah. i started the show and the show kind of gave me a different perspective of like hey you know you're in- interviewing foreign musicians why are you feeding them burgers like you don't have to like to eat indian food to feed it to them you know so you you pick up stuff and then you're like okay there's so much here that i didn't know about and that's actually cool you know just because it's been presented to me in a certain way as i grew up doesn't mean that that's what it is there's a lot more uh Uh, to it than you than you might know so yeah, i think it was natural like because if it had happened earlier i think it would have been forced it would have literally been like okay let's do it for something now this time it it literally came naturally like had dipti not told me the story of narsimha and given me like a different uh, way of looking at uh, uh, these stories i would have mm. never gone and, and written them and now uh, 3 years since dashavtar dr has turned 20 in 2020 yes it's just you and viru left at the moment yes officially that is yes officially it's just me and viru yeah you know you've seen the evolution of whatever we may call the scene here and yeah. if you had to do you know things differently for dr from the beginning hmm. uh, would you change anything so that's an interesting answer i have because i would not change anything because i'm generally the kind of person that has no regrets i look at life as a journey because in reality you can't go back and change anything <laughs> and i think everything you you do is what brings you to the place that you are in life so for me like i wouldn't be here today without having those experiences you know uh those experiences built up a lot of things that are there today and um no i don't think i could i mean look if i if i want to make a hypothetical situation yeah i'd love to go back and have 
started learning guitar maybe five or six years before I formed DR so that I would have mm. written written different music. Then I maybe got a producer and had a banging first album, you know that. Had, uh, but but I don't know, know if that would really change anything, you know. Um, like, yeah, I, I I guess yeah, sure. I would love to have made every album sound better than it does now. But I guess it had to happen. It, it's a journey. It, it had to be bad to get good. I had to learn from each album, and and that's also why I was able to sustain it. You know, like maybe yeah, if I'd gone back to two thousand and hired a producer and spent two lakhs of my parents' money on an album, maybe I'd have stopped playing music in three years. Who knows? You know, <laughs> because mm. I'd be parents would be like, just get a damn job now. You owe three lakhs or whatever, and I'd be less like spending my life trying to pay back bills and de- debt. So yeah. and i know this is an easy question to ask but what really does it take to keep all of this just keep it going i guess you have to have the passion and the desire and you have to want it enough i guess like with anything in life if you really really want it um and you work for it you can make things happen but i also think you need to be very self aware and uh, also understand like uh if you are at a certain level and what you need to do to improve like if you reach this point where you think i'm awesome i can do no wrong and stuff then you're kind of you're setting yourself up for disappointment you know at least over the last couple of years you've been alluding on social media about ending dr and then you play a show then you did a uk tour and now you announced a metal days uh, a slot what is truly next for dr um so the thing is i as you would have told as you would know from my social media posts have been quite disillusioned over the last two years at least um and i i just got fed up with the way things are going the constant struggle and uh, struggling at the same things more or less you know which is mm. booking tours and stuff like that which for me after 20 years you should not have to struggle with that stuff like you should struggle with other shit you know um so i for me genuinely dr i don't know the future because we did a last show and then you know like i, I was like okay the members are there we can do a show i like i would have loved to say okay let me do a world tour tour america europe uk australia everywhere and then i'd be happy to say it's done uh but um i can't do that that's been my struggle which is why you know when tours happen i'm like okay i know i disbanded but like there's a tour and i have not played there so why not do it so I, as of now we just exist there is enough musicians that i can call and hire for shows i i don't know if i will will be out looking for tours to happen like i i guess i got tired of sending hundreds of emails every year to only get rejected or no reply so metal days was a was a lucky thing but you know again nothing else happened around it and now this entire coronavirus situation has put everything in limbo and to be honest to some extent it has also changed my perspective a little bit on life in general and you know uh i'm a little more grateful for the fact that i can at least still play and make music um but i genuinely at this point don't know what is going to happen with dr um i guess only time will tell if anything will happen dan 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 wow what a dramatic end to cliffhanger wait, wait for the one. yeah it's a huge cliffhanger wait for the sequel 
first single to come out will be when corona ends wake me up when corona ends <laughs> who knows ha huh? sahil yeah. saying all of this like the moment we release this episode sahil will suddenly announce like dr is back going and number 6 fool you guys <laughs> but but on a on a serious note uh, congratulations to demonic resurrection for a lovely 20 years because weirdly enough i think this band has has uh, kind of been the gateway band to most indian metal heads towards indian bands and indian metal bands itself thank you i'm i'm glad to hear that yeah at least to at least like for for my generation thank you <laughs> <laughs> so modest as i so modest so modest all right okay but before we leave before we leave i have to ask you one final question yes how do you come up with cheers and stay demonic um i think it was like um some emails back in the day when i started out uh, i think somebody i must have written to who wrote back cheers man cheers 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 i guess i must have written to some british people i got a couple of cheers and i just i don't know cheers and stay demonic i used to just start ending my emails with that man <laughs> and then it just caught on then everyone was doing it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think we got sure. and like, yeah we got bombarded with so many messages from you that uh, it just became the natural way to end any conversation with yeah it, i i guess i was also i think the only person in the scene who had like a catch phrase no Yeah, pretty much. No, no. Yeah. I still remember you ending shows with, and you can call me, call me. the demon stealer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now Nitin Rajan is saying you can call me something or the other <laughs> at primitive gigs. <laughs> On that note, Sal, thank you so much for your time once again, and congratulations once again to Demonic Resurrection. And of course, I'll end at the moment. by allowing you to plug whatever it is that you want to plug well i guess i can plug that demonic resurrection has put out a lyric video for the song buddha on our youtube channel uh, in case you didn't know we put out a live album last year called live at bloodstock which you can download on our bandcamp page and speaking of which uh, demonic resurrection and myself uh, which includes my solo material reptilian death my death metal project and workshop my comedy rock band all my entire discography across these and solus ex infernus a new band i've joined my entire discography across these five bands 18 releases is now completely free on my bandcamp uh, due to the coronavirus situation as i know money is tight for a lot of people and i would rather people spend their money on bands that actually need the financial support because they've been adversely affected by the current situation So please go ahead to any of the Bandcamp pages, put zero in the amount, and download the music for free and enjoy it. Thank you. We are available at hansapod.com if you guys want to reach out to us at all for anything to do with metal, anything to talk about metal. Do reach out. Uh, you can find me at Aswani on Twitter. Peter, you are at Trent Crusher. And Sahil, do you want people to find you anywhere? If you like my music, you can. <laughs> follow <laughs> but only if you like my music if you are coming for for uh, for anything else go to the respective uh, handle instagram handle there's the cooking stuff on headbangers kitchen there's demonic resurrection on instagram and twitter 
And if you like my solo music, you can follow me at Demon Stealer on Instagram and at the Demon Stealer on Twitter. So for the first time, I think we'll end the episode with uh, something that you have continuously said to sign off. Cheers and stay yeah. demonic. And stay demonic. <laughs> Cheers and stay demonic. Cheers and stay demonic. Cheers and stay demonic. <laughs>